Okay. I think we're live. That's good. Just as just as we go live, an ambulance starts going by. Wonderful, magical. Welcome everybody. Those uh, those who haven't joined before, welcome. My name is Luke. This will be an English live class. Uh, those who have joined before, welcome. This will be an English live class, or rather live stream. Maybe we can say that. I'm an American English teacher. I've been teaching English for about uh, 10 years. And I'm looking forward to sharing some things with you today. Also looking forward to answering your questions. So if you have questions about pronunciation, culture, uh, background behind different things related to learning English, methods, strategies, all that stuff and much more, whatever you have questions about, ask away, friendly friends, and I'll do my best to answer. If you haven't already, I would really appreciate it, deeply and sincerely, if you could hit the thumbs up or like button. That's kind of, uh, it's kind of, I got my zombie like button here, yes. Smash that with your with your fist if possible. That helps out the channel more than in any other creator you like. If you like their stuff, then smash smash that for them whenever you see their content because it really helps helps out. It tells the algorithms that what they do is good, and then other people can follow. So that's good. Subscribe, and also I've got full courses in the link in the description. It's a special discount coupon to my new course, which I will talk about later, but it is there's one day left on that sale, I believe. Special price. Check that link out. That is uh, my latest course, which I launched earlier this week, an eight-and-a-half-hour course, very in-depth, very detailed about American English pronunciation. Okay. Um, okay. Let me just do one thing. Take care of one thing, and then we can kick it off. My my stomach's feeling a little uncomfortable today. Can't figure out why. Just feeling a little bit off for some reason. I don't usually have any stomach issues. So I'm drinking coffee, hoping that drinking coffee will make my stomach better. As we all know, the health benefits of coffee. When in doubt, drink coffee. That's what I always say. Okay, I think we're good there. Are we good there? Yes, we are. Pop it into the WhatsApp group. If you want to join the WhatsApp group, you may. Uh, but you have to find someone in the chat who has the link to it. I don't have the link to it that I can share immediately. So find someone else who's in the WhatsApp group if you want to join, and then you can join. I'm not really, I'm not really the uh, person in charge there. I don't really. I just kind of chat with people, you know, chit chat. Um, so find someone else who's in the in the community and uh, ask them if you can join. 
and if they agree then they will add you all right who do we have so far Ooh, Philippe is here, Amar, Liz, hello from Portugal, very good. Jackson is here, thank you very much. Wallacey, nice, pleasure to see you as well. Che Guevara is back from the Dominican Republic. Didn't know that Che Guevara was there. Um, yeah, someone, maybe someone will be here later who can pop in the, the link or you can add them on WhatsApp. It's, it's a, just a, we started a group sort of as a test and it's kind of become a, a little community and people actually talk about things in English there and have discussions and I have very little to do with starting the discussions often one of the because I've run many groups in the past one of the challenges with running groups is being the one who has to manage it the administration part what's the discussion topic for today and we're doing this on Tuesday and this on Thursday and what inevitably happens is usually the person who's supposed to run it eventually kind of gets distracted and does other things and then the rules get relaxed and then it kind of crumbles and becomes an inactive group because the entire force and energy behind the group was the person in charge the leader you know and and all of the all of the action all of the energy was there but that then creates a problem where then you have this dynamic where the people in the group feel like, oh, yeah, I got to do the task today. Oh, yeah, I got to answer the question today. And it's not a natural thing. It's not a joy. It's not, uh, it's not organic. So I was thinking for this one, hey, I'll do nothing uh, other than open this group and we'll see what happens. I will remove crazy people, of course, or people who are disturbing everyone else. But other than that, let's see what happens. Maybe the group will be totally silent and quiet. Maybe the group will be very active. And I will instead just be a regular participant in the in conversations. Sometimes I'll pop in or, you know, it'll be a natural thing. And it has over the past year. I believe the group has been open for a year. So many interesting conversations have happened and it just sort of comes about naturally. Usually it's when someone has something they want to share or discuss and it's been really really great to see and on the other hand um, I I do very little administration so that's great for me too. It's a win-win. Hey Lolly Lolly. Jacklos, hello. La vida de Jacklos. Hey how's it going? Going well. La Vida, sorry. La Vida. Lolly Lolly's here. That's very exciting. Two days in a row. Whoop-de-doo, whoop-de-doo. I do have something quite interesting I want to share, especially today, concerning vocabulary. We're going to be talking about uh, vocabulary words that have been added to the dictionary within the last year. And whether or not those are useful words, how they get added, and what we can do now that there are new words. And do we need something to be a word in the dictionary before we can use it? So we'll be talking about that later. In the meantime, in the meantime, yes, questions from uh, questions, grammar, pronunciation, culture, idioms, phrases, vocabulary. 
study methods, recommendations, whatever it is. Mars says, there's something funny I came across today in my work. Well, tell, do tell, do tell. By the way, if any, if, if you guys ever feel strongly about something you want to, you know, share and you want to hop on uh, the, the stream for a few minutes and share something or whatever, um, just just send a message in the group and uh, or message me on WhatsApp and I can send you a link. I don't want to force anybody, but uh, I can send you a link and you can hop on the stream with me uh, if you feel like you have something something interesting to share and you want to explain it, you want to talk about it. Signs everywhere that read free smoking building. What does that mean? Amar says there are signs everywhere at my work that read free smoking building. Very strange. Early output. What do you think about early output? Rana, can you explain a little bit more what you mean by early output? I think I might be able to guess what you mean, but I want to make sure I'm not misunderstanding you. <clears throat> they want to say smoking free. Ah, even that would be weird to say smoking free building because you wouldn't say <coughs> you wouldn't say um <coughs> excuse me you would not say smoking free you would say smoke free so it's a kind of it's a kind of mix up right uh this is a drug free smoke free uh this is cruelty-free. It's usually a noun that goes in front of free, right? Maybe I can post, put up your uh, comments to sort of illustrate it in order, and we can we can quickly talk about it. <clears throat> so Amar says, here's something funny I came across today at work. There are signs everywhere that read free smoking building. Then we've got some laughter emojis here. They want to say smoking free building, but they messed up. So the question is, is that is that correct? There are some pretty classic examples of things that don't quite get translated correctly. Maybe my favorite are uh, Chinese menus that get translated with Google Translate into English. Some classic uh, some classic stuff there. Very funny. Uh, tattoos that English speakers may get with Chinese characters, and they have no idea what the Chinese characters mean. Like one, one I saw said chicken noodle soup. <laughs> I thought it looked cool. So this sort of stuff happens all the time. It's quite, quite entertaining, right? It's entertaining. But... Uh, is this correct? What do, what do they want to say? That, that this building does not have in it people who are allowed to smoke cigarettes, right? Well, typically, we use a noun in front of free. Now, that creates an adjective, 
right? When you say something free, it means without that, without that thing. And then it follows a noun, or rather is followed by a noun. So that is creating an adjective, but you're creating an adjective with a noun, the noun form. So we wouldn't usually use smoking. Now smoking can be used as a noun, but it's the activity. So actually what we do is talk about the thing. So what is the thing that the building doesn't have? Well, if people are smoking, then what you have is smoke. If they're not smoking, then what you don't have is smoke. So instead, you would see this is a smoke-free building. You probably have a hyphen between smoke and free to make it a single adjective. This is a smoke-free building. If you wanted to say smoking, then you would talk about the activity and you would say something like no smoking allowed. No smoking, the activity, not the thing. No smoking allowed. Or smoking is prohibited. There's one sign near my, uh, where I live that says positively no ball playing. <laughs> so no, after no, you usually will see the ing form, the activity, the gerund form. But if you're making that adjective that goes in front of, for example, building or products or something like that, then it should be the basic noun form talking about the thing. Cruelty-free chicken, pesticide-free chicken or vegetables or whatever it is, right? Um, anytime free, fat-free, it's, it's going to use that basic noun form and talk about the thing, okay? So hopefully that answers your question, Amar, I mean, not really a question, your comment. Um, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting thing to point out. Just be careful of direct translation in general, right? It, a lot of things are technically correct, grammatically, but that doesn't mean that people actually use that. So there's often a big gap between correct and common usage. Important to keep in mind. Well, if you haven't already, don't forget to uh, hit the like button. That would be most appreciated. Also, don't forget to subscribe, of course, and check out my full courses in the links in the description. Okay. And just as a reminder, cat, my cat is meowing. I got to get a new GIF here. I'm not sure if I, how I feel about this zombie hand. I mean, it's all right. Luba, you're enjoying the course. Oh, that's awesome. Love it. I, w I'm, I was worried. Very glad to hear that. So Luba's been, Luba's taken all of my courses, and that uh, makes me happy, of course. Um, and probably one of the most dedicated English learners I've ever encountered, which is amazing. Her English has improved so much since she started learning. And uh, yeah, it's great. But I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying the, the course, Luba. So just for context, the course is a pronunciation course covering quite a few things, talking about, um, talking about stress, intonation, flow, similar sounds, difficult sounds, 
rules of pronunciation, rules that you can actually follow, plus tons of examples and explanations of everything in the course, including how to make the sounds. It, it's really meant to be a kind of complete course because it covers most things that you need to know. Now, later this year, I'm planning to put out a, just a practice course. That means I'm not really explaining that much. I'm not talking that much. It's just exercise, 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 exercise. Kind of speaking along with me, right? But that'll be later this year. This one is the one that teaches, is practice and teaching, teaches the, um, the techniques, how to make the sounds, how to flow, all of that stuff so that pr your pronunciation can be natural. It's eight and a half hours of lessons. Uh, none of those lessons you'll find here on either Facebook or YouTube or wherever you're watching. So uh, yeah, check that out. It's on a special sale price in the link in the description. So if you click on the link in the description, you can get that at the lowest possible price. And not allowed to offer it at a lower price than that, so you'll never get it at a better price. Now's the time. Hey. Chow's already jumping on it. Way to go. I'm planning, by the way, to... Uh, I'll be... I'm going to try my best to launch a new course every month. That doesn't mean that I'm actually writing and recording and doing the course. I have completed writing and recording uh, nine courses, including the one that just got launched. But there's a post-production process to make sure it's neatly uh, edited and clear and concise, right? So there's a process that happens after. I've spent the last two years writing all of these nine courses and recording all of these nine courses. The last 12 months, I've been sitting here like this with my, with my board. This is the board I use to write on the blackboard, uh, recording for like, four to five hours a day, five to six days a week. Uh, so <laughs> if you see me putting out courses at high frequency this year, it's because they're they're all done and I've been working on it for, for two, <laughs> two years. <laughs> yeah, so don't worry, the quality will be there. I try, I, I, I'll make sure of it. Okay, anyway, uh, let's see what questions I have missed. And we are going to be talking about later, we're going to be talking about new English words, which I'm, I, I found very interesting. Uh, and whether or not those are actually useful, we'll be focusing on those. So that's exciting. Uh, Mir Hossein says, shut up. It's a, it's, it's a suggestion. Amar <laughs> says, hey, that's not nice. And then Hossein says, why don't you shut up? Yeah, it would be, I guess it would be more awkward to sit in silence and stare at the camera than, uh, than to answer people's questions. <laughs> what else you got? What else you got? Bring it on. All right. Let's see here. Okay, so uh, Rana has clarified what she meant here. Let me see. Input at the beginning, and that's what I'm doing. But okay, uh, this is what I thought you meant. This is what I thought you meant. Yes, this is a great question. This is a this is a really good point. Um, 
And yeah, let's talk about it. So Rana says, I've heard that you should focus on input at the beginning of learning English. And that's what I'm doing. But I hear some people say, no, you should speak even if you are a beginner. I'm a bit confused. Okay. So I want you to think about the way that you've learned anything in your life, whether it's a skill, something that you are very knowledgeable about. Uh, when you learned that thing, did you have a lot of input and then you had output? Or did you have input and output as part of a continuous cycle? For most things that you learn, you have input and output as part of a continuous cycle. Let's say middle school, high school. Let's say you take calculus in high school. Did you, in calculus, when you took calculus, whether it's junior high, I don't know when people take calculus. I can't remember when I took calculus. Might have been seventh grade. I don't know. Did you take the whole year of calculus by sitting here and listening to the teacher, watching the blackboard, and then at the end of the year, you finally did some stuff with it? Is that how it went? No, of course not. Every day, at the end of each lesson, the teacher said, okay, and your assignment, your homework assignment for today is uh, do 10 problems with this and 20 problems with that. Why do you have to do those problems when you're just a beginner? Well, because if you do it step by step, you're continually improving so that you can achieve the next step. If you were to not practice and just listen, you wouldn't really get it. And by the time you're at six months into your calculus class, you don't have the ability to understand what's going on. But if you've gone step by step and you've done homework every day up to that point, you really get it because you've done 30 problems, 40 problems every single day up until then. So you get it. You have that skill, the ability to do all of the calculus that you need up to that point. So when you learn the new thing, you can do it. You can learn it. It doesn't overwhelm you. Well, that's just a simple example, but that's that's the case for most things. The Olympics were just on. Those people jumping off of diving boards or doing flips on the floor, that's a physical skill, but it's not that different in the way that we learn. They didn't watch the the instructor or the instructor or the coach do flips for six months and then say, okay, now finally I've seen all the flips, let's begin. No, they started getting comfortable with a jump and then stretching along the way. I don't know what gymnasts have to do, but you know, it's a gradual step-by-step -step thing where you have this continuous loop. It's a continuous cycle. Learn, practice, learn, practice, learn, practice, learn, practice, learn, do, learn, do, learn, do. Input and output happening simultaneously. And it's the output part which allows you to then go to the next level of the input part. Because if it's all input, really making progress because it's practice that allows you to build the habits to gain the new skill. And so by the time you have the input at a very advanced level, you can't understand it. You, you, I don't even have the flexibility to do that backflip that you're doing, right? Because I haven't been stretching and practicing along the way. So in fact, it's necessary 
to start speaking English right at the very beginning. Even if it's very uncomfortable, even if you can't speak a lot. And this has been validated to me over and over and over again with English learners that I've seen learning in different ways. The ones who say, I need to get ready first, I need to learn a thousand words first, 10,000 words first, I need to master idioms first, I need to watch a bunch of uh, courses with grammar first, I need to do all of this stuff first, and then I'm going to start practicing. Absolutely not. You have to be practicing every step of the way. So for example, the, the course that I just launched, it's all about, okay, here's how you do it, and then let's do it together. So I'll say a sentence and then leave a space for you to say the same sentence with me. Immediate practice. It's very important to do that because if you don't have that output part, then you'll never be able to get the next thing. You'll never be able to reach the higher level, or at least it will be much more difficult. And as you go, you're also building confidence. You're building habits. A lot of stuff is happening when you do output. So I would say 100%, even if you don't feel very confident, you should be speaking in some way, even if that's sitting down and recording yourself and listening back to the recording, even if that's having a chat with your friend who's not a native English speaker but wants to work on his or her English, even if that's doing some writing exercises, doing some exercises in general to constantly have output because that is how people learn things. That is how the human brain and the body is able to pick up new skills and absorb the next most difficult thing and the next most difficult thing. So, Rana, I hope that answers your question and I hope you start output immediately, as soon as possible, starting today. Okay, and keep learning but also output. If you're learning vocabulary, make sure you're writing down three or four sentences with each vocabulary word that you learn. Use it. Practice it. Okay? Very important. Guys, if you haven't already done so, don't forget to hit the like button. Don't forget to subscribe. And also check out my full courses in the links in the description. All right. I hope you practice. Practice, practice. It's a lot of job for a lazy guy like me, Luke. I'd rather sit around and do nothing. I hate studying. I didn't say study, did I? Um, let's have a minute of awkward silence. <laughs> Maybe next time. <laughs> uh, now, uh, Mir, Hossein, Mir Hossein says, sorry. Ah, you're forgiven. Apology accepted. I absolve you. I hope you have a fantastic day. Amar says, let's have an awkward minute of silence. I'm not sure if it would be awkward. Yeah, probably would be. Probably would be pretty awkward. So Amar is concerned that uh, he's lazy and you'd rather just do nothing because you hate studying. But nobody said anything about studying. I never said anything about Did I say study? I mean, that, that's one way to do it, studying.
doing exercises, you know, practicing, giving yourself homework assignments? Yes, of course. But that's not the only way. Is joining a meetup group where you discuss something with others, have discussions, conversations, debates. Is that studying? No. Is that going to help you improve your speaking? Probably. Yes. Practicing speaking in front of others? Absolutely. 100%. Is reading, especially something you're interested in, is that, is that homework? Is that studying? I don't know. I mean, if you hate reading, perhaps. But reading can be a very fun thing. So you're improving. So maybe not, maybe not, maybe that's not studying. If you're writing a blog or a diary or a journal or something like that about your life, uh, doing something that you care about, is that studying? Uh, no, not necessarily. If you start a YouTube channel talking about something you know about or you're comfortable talking about, game streaming, playing games on Twitch, and talking, speaking in English. Is that going to help you? Probably. You have an audience. People are watching you. There's a bit of pressure. Uh, you're doing it consistently every day for an hour or two. Yeah, you'll probably improve for sure. Is that studying? No. So there are all kinds of things that you can do which are not studying, which can really help you improve. And so I think that's important to keep in mind. You don't have to feel pain. You don't have to do difficult things. You can do things you enjoy. You have to make sure that the things that you enjoy have an English aspect so that you're working on that too. So I would say for those of you who hate studying, Try your best to find those activities which can feed two birds with one scone. And once you find those activities, do them regularly, and it won't feel painful because they're activities you enjoy. They're things you like to do. I don't know what those things are. You have to find those yourself. I gave you a few ideas, but there are so many more. So reflect on that. Think about that, and if you also have a goal that's, that helps, that can help give you sort of a north star to look at. But in general, building it into your lifestyle, practicing a little bit naturally as part of the activities that you want to do anyway, that can be very powerful. Saying, ah, oh, it's another 30 minutes where I have to do this practice and studying. Yeah, if you hate that, you'll probably give up in two months anyway, or a month or two weeks maybe anyway, right? So yeah, maybe you don't need to do that. Some people like to do that. And that's great too. I'm not saying don't study if that's what you think works for you and that helps you. That's great. I encourage people to study too. But if you're a study hater, it's not uh, it's not game over for you. There 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 is hope. There is certainly hope. Okay. Um, then Amar says that's even more annoying than studying. I approve of reading though. Okay. Yeah, read. Read books. If you just read 30 minutes a day, that's going to get you somewhere. Read 30 minutes a day. All right. Well, good question. Uh, good, well, good share, Amar. I appreciate that. Guys, if you haven't already, don't forget to hit the like button. Don't forget to subscribe as well. And 
check out the full courses in the links in the description. What's the best way to improve speaking without thinking? Can you improve with just free YouTube videos? Sure, yeah. But remember the input-output part, right? It's not just about input. It's input-output. So, so just input, you will be able to, you'll grow in your ability to understand the language but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get better at using it. You can be really good at understanding it, but if you never use it, right? knowing English, learning English, understanding English doesn't automatically translate to being able to use it well. So you have to make sure you have the output part as well. Very important. You can't just sit and watch YouTube videos and say, okay, this is the only thing I'm going to do and I will improve. You'll improve your knowledge probably over time. You will get better in some areas. You'll get some insights, some tips. That's good. But you've got to have the output part too. You've got to have the practice part. Can I go to the USA to there by scholarship without taking the IELTS exam? That I don't know. I don't, I don't have the answer to that one, uh, Rana. I believe that most um, universities are going to require not the IELTS exam but the TOEFL exam for uh, to attend. Are there universities that will waive that and say oh, you don't need to take the TOEFL? Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I can't speak for all universities. However, in general, universities in English-speaking countries will require some form of exam score in order to be able to apply in general to the university or be accepted into the university and they'll have a minimum threshold. So Canada, Australia, New Zealand, UK in particular will do IELTS and then the United States and maybe parts of Canada, I'm not sure, will do TOEFL. Two different exams. Very different in fact. They're measuring the same basic things but in different ways. One's a computer exam and one is, the speaking part at least, is with a person, a real person. S.H. Han says, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Much appreciated. Okay. Let me um, let me do one thing before we go on to the next thing. Give me one second, guys. Okay. Yeah, Amar, you can I I would recommend it. So is it is it worth taking the IELTS or TOEFL exam 
if you don't have to? I would say absolutely. I, I, I would skip the, skip the TOEFL, honestly. Skip TOEFL. Uh, go straight to the IELTS. It's a better exam. It's with a person. I think it's more accurate. I believe it's more accurate. I'm not super impressed with the, um, with the TOEFL exam. Uh, uh, but yeah, take, uh, take the Versant, take the IELTS, see what scores you get. If you know you have a deadline coming up, that can give you a little bit of positive pressure. So I recommend anyone sign up for the IELTS. It is mildly expensive, though. I mean, depending on, I guess we all have a different idea about what expensive is. But, com well, yeah, it's, it's fairly expensive for an English exam. It's on the expensive side. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Pronunciation is an important issue, for example, UK or West East USA for foreigner. S.H. Han. Um, pronunciation is important issue, for example, UK or in West East USA for foreigner. Um, I think what you mean there is, does is pronunci does pronunciation really matter, right? Is it imp is it do people care? Like do Americans say well, I have bad pronunciation? As long as you can be understood, I would say in general, people don't really care as long as you're understandable, right? So the issue might be when your pronunciation causes misunderstandings. If you aren't able to pronounce certain things or say certain things in the right way and it causes a misunderstanding, then there are problems. And that's going to cause problems in your relationships with people you're speaking with in those places. So that's when it's an issue. If you're understandable and if you have like a strong accent and you don't, but when I say strong accent, I mean uh, people can immediately identify, ah, okay, you're from this place and I can easily hear that 100%. If you don't mind and that's fine with you, which I certainly don't mind, great. And if you, it, you know, different people are different. Some people really want to have a natural, smooth sounding flowing pronunciation. Some people don't. It's kind of up to you, right? Um, my wife, for whatever reason, she's Chinese, she has really natural sounding pronunciation. Um, and it sounds, she doesn't have a strong accent, right? She says some things that are not the same as a native English speaker would say them, of course, but she has this very natural sort of sound. And I think she wants to have that because she wants her colleagues to completely understand her for whatever reason. It's a personal thing, right? So I, I can't tell you what your goals should be. You have to decide what your goals are. I would say the only major issue would be people not understanding you sometimes. Okay. Well, I want to I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about new words. We'll get into new words and then I'll get back to the questions. Okay. 
how do new words get added to the dictionary? We often think of a dictionary as something that tells us what words we should use. It's actually the opposite. In fact, we make up words. It pops out of the culture. And then the people who are at the dictionary, <laughs> the dictionary people, they say, mm, this word is popular enough, common enough, so that we're going to define it officially define it and add it to the dictionary. Words are added to different dictionaries, depending on their own rules, every year. Every year. Now, one of the most common dictionaries is the Webster. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at new words in the dictionary. We're going to focus on the Webster dictionary. We're going to go through a few words. We're going to be talking about seven words in the dictionary, how common they are, how we can use them, whether or not we should use them, right? Whether I use them or not, and also maybe where they, where they come from. It's just important to keep in mind. We're the ones who create language, the people who use it, we create it. Not the dictionary people who are in charge. Their job is to follow along, and say, oh, that's popular, we'll add that, we'll define that, oh, this one, oh, we'll add this one, right? And I don't know their inner inside rules for how they do it, but they have them. How they decide, they have some process for deciding. So let's start. We're going to start with the word crowdfunding. These are words that were added in 2021. There was an update to the Webster Dictionary, the online Webster Dictionary, uh, in January of 2021. One of them was crowdfunding. Now, this word has actually been around for some time. It's been around for probably, oh, I don't know when the first usage was, but I've known it for probably probably five or six years. And it's recently been added to the dictionary as a formal word, crowdfunding. Now, we can read the definition. The practice of obtaining needed funding by soliciting contributions from a large number of people, especially from the online community. How do we actually use that? How are you going to raise money for your project? Crowdfunding. How did you raise money for that? How did you get enough money to pay for your trip to Argentina to research this? Crowdfunding. So there are a lot of different services for this or platforms for this. One of them might be Kickstarter. There's Indiegogo. There's GoFundMe. People do GoFundMe for personal things. I'm writing a book or uh, someone got hurt and they need money or my dog needs expensive food, <laughs> this sort of thing. When you get money from a lot of people, that process is called crowdfunding. Everybody or many people send money rather than just one person. And apparently this has just been added to the dictionary. Now, I got this from an article from Webster saying that this was added to the dictionary in 2021. I was surprised by this. I thought this would be added earlier because I've known about crowdfunding for a long time. So I wonder if maybe they added it to the online version this year, but previously it was somewhere else. I'm sure other dictionaries have added it before before then. This one I was a little surprised by, honestly, quite surprised by because it's been around for a while. But a few of these other ones have not been around for so long. Let's talk about gig worker, another one that's that's certainly been around. A gig worker, well, it's it's two words, but it's in the dictionary as as a noun. It is a noun. 
a person who works temporary jobs, typically in the service sector, as an independent contractor or freelancer. A worker. Okay, so a gig worker. What does that mean? Well, they're not really employed, right? This is part of, and you see here, the gig economy. And Andy Sullivan has provided an example. They have freedoms that most full-timers only dream of, sitting, uh, setting their own hours, working from home, being their own bosses. So this is someone who maybe drives an Uber or does food delivery, which I thought was cool. I, I actually signed up to be a gig worker once. <laughs> I, just, I was just curious. I signed up for a, I thought I had a genius idea. I thought, ah, you know what? I'm going to, I want to do more exercise, but is there a way for me to exercise and not feel like I'm wasting time? What if I combine three things together? I'm going to exercise and I'm going to earn a little extra money and I'm going to listen to my audiobooks, and I'll do all of these things at the same time. So I won't feel like it's a waste because I always feel like I'm doing something and wasting time. I'm going to deliver food on my bicycle. I'm just going to try it. I got the approval. They gave me a card. Uh, I, I never did it. <laughs> I never actually did it. I kind of just forgot or lost interest, but I am technically an approved food delivery person for DoorDash. DoorDash? Is it DoorDash? I think it's for DoorDash. Yeah. One of, one of those. Technically but I've never actually delivered it. Anyway, so that would be uh, that would be a gig worker as part of the gig economy. Let's look at the next one. ASMR. You've probably heard of ASMR. You've probably seen ASMR videos. This got really popular, especially in 2019 and 2020. I, I feel like it's kind of fading in popularity. A pleasant tingling sensation that originates on the back of the scalp and often spreads to the neck and upper spine that occurs in some people in response to a stimulus, such as a, pop, uh, such as a particular kind of sound or movement, and that tends to have a calming effect. Now, I'm not a big fan of ASMR, but this is, if you just search ASMR on YouTube, you'll find a bunch of people tickling things and brushing things, like you'll see people take a piece of paper and they'll, they'll they'll crinkle it like this this is your ASMR English lesson my name is Luke and I hope this is relaxing and helps you sleep that's, the, that's hopefully the only ASMR I'll ever do. But ASMR being this type of content. And some people find it very relaxing. It's 12 hours and they go to sleep and listen to that. Personally, not a fan. I do like brown noise, though. If you go on to, for example, YouTube and you search brown noise, I sometimes listen to that. It's, a, it's deeper than white noise. I like it. Anyway. Next one, cancel culture. Now, this is a very popular word, especially for 2020. It's been around as an idea for a while, and you've probably heard of it. So, relatively, relatively new. 
the practice or tendency of engaging in mass canceling. And then it tells us which kind of cancel it means as a way to uh, as a way of expressing disapproval and exerting social pressure. So this is something that you see with a lot of larger uh, influencers or celebrities. Somebody says something that is offensive to someone else, especially on Twitter, and they then raise a lot of uh, attention about that. I can't believe they said this offensive thing. And it's almost like a, an attack on that person until either they lose their job, they're no longer famous, <laughs> they have to quit doing that thing, or they apologize, right? And it's like, um, it's like uh, I, I think it's a little bit odd, but um, you did that thing, it offends us, we need you to apologize. Well, apologies, fine, but it's a popular thing. Let's cancel that person. Canceling someone means cause them to lose their status. And it could be for serious, real things, or it could be for something that's not that serious that people are just upset about. And it seems like there's more and more sensitivity about this, and more and more people get canceled. So maybe everyone can get, can get canceled, I'm not sure. But it's resulted in some people getting fired, some people have quitting, for example, famous YouTubers have quit doing YouTube, period, because they got canceled, and some just making an apology and then moving on various degrees of cancellation. Quite interesting, I think. Next one, hard pass. I love this one. I use this all the time. I love this word and I'm glad it's been added. Definition of hard pass. By the way, I know it's two words, but we can call it a noun. Let's call it a word because it's in the dictionary. A firm refusal or rejection of something, such as an offer. Okay, then we have here, uh, the residents of Gun Barrel speak with a unified and unwavering voice. No thank you, Mayor. No thank you, Mr. Mayor. Hard pass. Hard pass. So whenever someone suggests something that I don't like the sound of, hey, do you want to go uh, swimming with box jellyfish next week? Hard pass. That means absolutely not. If we want to say it very politely, we'll say, and this has been around forever, I think, I think I'm going to pass. I think I'll pass. Thanks anyway, I appreciate the offer, but I think I will pass on that. That's very polite. What if I want to make it much stronger? Hard pass, hard pass on that. I think I will hard pass on that. So you can use it as a simple statement by itself. Hard pass, if you want to make it very clear, very straightforward. I don't want to do that, <laughs> right? Uh, even if it's a simple, a simple offer. Hey, are you interested in maybe hiking? this weekend hard pass okay that might be a little rude right but maybe i'm joking maybe i'm being playful or i could add it to a sentence i think i'm going to hard pass on that it means definitely no thank you definitely no definitely not next one co-working also has been around for quite a while apparently it's just recently been added again this is according to the uh, new words added that uh, that Webster put out on their website in January of 2021. Co-working, being related to or working in a building where multiple tenants, such as entrepreneurs, startups, or nonprofits, rent working space, such as desks or offices, and have the use of communal 
facilities. Now, I spent a while in Beijing and got to do some of this with a startup company that I was involved in uh, for a few years. And I would regularly go to Beijing and we had a co-working space. We had our own office, but there were a lot of other offices there. And there was this huge open space with an amphitheater and a speakers, coffee machines, very nice, very beautiful. And I got to meet a lot of other people who were also in that co-working space. Very interesting, exciting uh, vibe, especially if you're in a startup company. So co-working and co-living, you'll also see a very popular thing in the last maybe maybe five years. Last one, a silver fox. <laughs> now, I we have to be careful of the census here. Silver fox has been around for a very, very long time. This is a, gen a genetically determined color face of the common red fox. But we're not talking about that. So sometimes when, when the dictionary means new word, what they mean is a sense of a word that's been around or a sense of a phrase that's been around for a while that's new, okay? So number two is the one we're looking at. Plural, silver foxes, an attractive middle-aged man having mostly gray or white hair. George Clooney will perenni perennially be the sexiest silver fox alive. Okay. And then there are a couple other ones mentioned here. So that would be, if someone is a silver fox, a way of talking about a handsome man who has gray hair. That doesn't mean you can say like brown fox. You can't change the color. Silver fox is the expression. If you find, and, and this is for men only, I, this is not for women. I'm not sure what the same thing would be for women. I'm not sure if we have an expression. Not sure. This is for men who are well-known, maybe actors especially, who are quite good-looking, but they're getting, they're getting older. They have silver hair. A silver fox. So those are some of the new words that have been added to the dictionary according to Webster. According to Webster. Again, some of those I'm a little bit surprised by. So if you have any questions about these or you want to add any more that you may have found that have been added recently or ask about those, let me know. If you haven't already done so, don't forget to hit the thumbs up, like button, and subscribe, follow. And also, if you haven't done so, make sure to check out my full English courses in the links in the description. All right. Hard pass. I love hard pass. I, I, I love that phrase. If someone invites me to go swimming with jellyfish, my answer would be <laughs> piss off. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good answer too. A lot of stupid stuff on these crowdfunding websites. Yes. Uh, yeah, there have been some. I've seen some weird ones. I saw one. One time I was just I was on a walk somewhere and I saw the one the one that people use usually use if you have a company or a startup or you're gonna make a new product or an app or something like that or a movie, it's a bigger thing. People tend to use Indiegogo and Kickstarter. Kickstarter and Indiegogo. I've I've done a Kickstarter before. Um, but it's for it was for an app, it was for a fairly big project. But for uh for smaller things, personal things, people tend to use 
uh, people tend to use GoFundMe. Maybe that's why they say me, right? And it was something like, my pet lizards need more expensive food because they're getting older. <laughs> and I need to raise $800 to pay for it. Something, I can't remember it exactly. I, I took a picture of it, but it's way back in my library. There's something like that. It had something to do with pet lizards and f their food, and someone wanted to raise money to pay for their food. <laughs> I find that quite funny. I find that to be hilarious. Oh, speaking of speaking of pictures and lizards, I would like to get your. your I, I just realized that something I want to I want to ask for some feedback on something. Um, so you all know, or you probably don't all know. You may know that in. Um, your parts of Europe and UK, Canada, let's say in the West, where Christianity is popular, there is a scene which you typically see, which is the baby Jesus in what's called a manger, where you keep animals, with uh, his father, Joseph, and Mary standing over him. It's a common scene that you see. And something weird happened yesterday. I was parked behind a car. I'm just dragging a picture over here to my pictures. I was parked behind a car and I saw this scene on the as a sticker on the back of the car. But Instead of recognizing it as that, what it was, I saw something completely different. And I'm realizing, you know what, as I'm saying this, I'm realizing that I've got the, the picture has part of the license plate. So let me very quickly, I, I don't want to, I don't want to have this person's license plate on here for people to see. I'm going to... I'm going to put a square over it so that you can't see it. Okay, I'm going to put a black square over it. Then I'll share it. And I want to see if you see what I saw. Or if I'm crazy. I could be crazy. All right, now we've got a black square over it. Got it. All right. Good thing I did that. Genius. I'm a genius. All right, here we go. So, what do you see? Tell me what you see there. We've got, on the right, we've got, okay, Jesus sticker. That's not what I saw. I was looking at the thing in the middle. And after about 20 seconds, I saw what it actually is, which you have Mary there and, and Joseph there in the little manger with the, the, star, uh, the star there. And then uh, baby Jesus. But what I saw was two large dinosaurs 
with their mouths open, especially their T-Rexes, which is a type of dinosaur with a big head and little arms, I saw two T-Rexes coming out of the earth. I still saw the baby Jesus, though. So I saw the baby Jesus using his baby Jesus power to sort of summon two T-Rexes who were emerging from the earth, sort of coming back to life, like to protect to protect him or something. I thought, wow, that's genius. What? A, that's such a cool idea. You know, bringing the baby's just been born. He brought two T-Rexes to be his sort of guardians. And I thought, that's so cool. But then I realized that actually it, it's not that at all. And it just, it's just, um, they're praying over him. But uh, yeah, anyway, I thought that was interesting. That's a weird one. Does anyone, does anyone else see, am I crazy? Does anyone else see T-Rexes? It looks like, it looks like two dinosaurs. I don't know. Yes, someone else sees dinosaurs. Thank you. Good. Oh, I'm not alone. Luba sees an elephant. Interesting. An elephant? Wait, wait, wait. Where's the elephant? Uh, what? The elephant. Um, I, I'm looking at it. Where is the elephant? Where, uh? I'm not seeing the elephant. I'm trying to see it, but I can't see it. How tall are you, says Jonas? Um, about six foot two. I guess I'm, I'm, if, if I put it in centimeters, I think I'm 188 or 87, something like that. Hey, Google, how many centimeters is six foot two? Six point one six 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 seven feet is equal to one hundred eighty seven point nine six centimeters. Okay, so one eighty eight. Thank you. A lot of decimal places. Not necessarily lucky to be tall. I would say I'm above average, but it's not that great. Although, well, I mean, sometimes it can be useful to reach things on shelves. That can be useful to be able to reach things more easily. Yeah. Ah, Han agrees with me. They are dinosaurs. I agree. Liz Borgia. One of the members of our WhatsApp group has been um, asking me to read Borgia, um, the author, philosopher. And I have <laughs> read one, but we're planning to discuss it in the group. This is one other thing I was hoping to bring up. Um, I it would be awesome to have to build a community where people are doing book clubs and movie nights and, you know, but it's something that I would really need help with for someone seriously interested in building a community like on Discord. So if anyone has a genuine or sincere interest in that kind of thing, reach out to me, find me on, for example, WhatsApp. We can talk about it. Um, uh, I think it would be so cool to have a community where people are practicing English and using English in a natural way, not being forced to. And we have that with our chat group, but I think it could be so much more 
uh, with the right structure. When I speak to myself, I use the expressions and slangs that I know. However, when I try speaking to someone, even if they don't know how to use English simple words, I don't know why. Hmm. This is an interesting point. Amar is 190-ish. Ooh, tall man. Uh, Rana says, when I speak to myself, I use the expressions and slang that I know. However, when I try speaking to someone, even if they don't know English, I use simple words. I don't know why. So this tends to be something that happens in general. When, and this is also true, people say this when they, when they have a drink. People say, when I drink, when I've had a few glasses of wine, my English is much better. But when I haven't had a drink, and when I'm just trying to say things, especially in front of more than one person, two, three, four, five people, I, I can't find the words that I need. Well, what does this tell you? Does this suggest that this is a, a knowledge issue? Does this, is this an issue about what is in your head? Well, clearly not. If you're able to use the words by yourself, or if you've had a few glasses of wine, the phrases that you learned uh, when you're relaxed, but not in social situations, then the common denominator is not what you know or don't know. It's a couple of things. What are those things? Well, number one is the things that we learn, which become habits, are easily accessible Typically, no matter what situation we find ourselves in, whether we're relaxed or not, only if they've become habits. So why is it you can use simple words, but not more difficult words or phrases that you've learned recently? Well, it's because those more difficult words and phrases that you've learned are not deep enough in your muscle memory, in your habits, to be able to pull out without thinking. So what do you have to do? You have to use them more. You've simply used those simple words so many times that they've sort of attached themselves more deeply into whatever process in your brain builds habits, right? It's like deeply ingrained in you because you've used them in different situations. You've heard them in many different situations. Imagine each word is sort of attached to like a web and they're different there are different little tentacles or, or arms on that web. And the more you hear some, a word in different situations or a phrase in different contexts, the more you use it and get feedback that, oh yeah, that, that I was able to be understood when I used that, the deeper it goes and the more arms it grows and the more it becomes a habit. But if you learn a word once and you use it three times and you've heard it five times, that's not really enough to deeply understand it. And so it hasn't really attached itself to the floor of your brain. <laughs> that makes sense. To the, the, it hasn't dug deep roots into your habits, your habit structure, let's call it that, your muscle memory. It's not, it doesn't have firm tentacles attached to that 
whatever that is, that structure. So you have to make it a habit. You have to practice using it more. You have to deliberately make example sentences with that. You have to research it a little bit more and find more examples of it being used in various sentences. You have to listen out for it and when you hear it, pay careful attention to where it was used, whether it's a word or an idiom. Really pay attention to that. If you do that, you're going to find that it becomes more and more accessible, whether you're feeling comfortable and relaxed or not. But that doesn't really take care of the what causes me to be relaxed or not relaxed thing. Why is it when people are watching me, looking at me, listening to me, I'm around others, I can't find those things that I can find when I'm more comfortable? This really has to do with confidence, and you can't discount the importance of confidence as part of your progress in the English language, in your usage of the English language. It has to be considered. It has to be something you work on. It's an attitude thing. If I knew suddenly that Let's say someone, hmm, what would make, I'm trying to think about what would make me feel a little bit nervous at this point. I think, well, let's just say hypothetically, more people meant more nervous. I don't think that would be the case. But let's say, for example, there were 10 million people watching right now. I'm kind of used to doing this, so I'm not sure I would feel any different, honestly. But let's say that that would make me somehow more nervous. Then I wouldn't be able to find my my thread. I wouldn't be able to remember what I was going to say. I might stammer. I might get stuck. There's some aspect of feeling under pressure as though we're being judged by someone that causes our ability to perform in any way to go down. This is why... We have performance anxiety, for example, during the Olympics. A lot of people are watching. Suddenly, it's different. There's a lot of pressure. I might make more mistakes, right? It's almost as though whatever that pressure is, whether it's one person or someone who we worry is judging us or a billion people, whatever that pressure is, it reduces our ability to perform. And when we're alone, and we feel we're not being judged or looked at, we're able to because we feel relaxed. How can you get used to that pressure? The only thing that you can do is expose yourself to it more often. So if you're afraid of talking in front of others, then you have to talk in front of others a lot more. And it's not like it's going to be hard every single time. It's going to get easier and easier. Trust me, it's going to get easier and easier. It might be difficult at first. Take the first step. Second step will be easier. The third step will be easier. You have to expose yourself to it in order to gain confidence. That's why people who do their first performance in front of a crowd, if they're a comedian or a musician, they feel really nervous. And then the second time, the 100th time, it's like nothing. But then maybe the first time they play a huge stadium, a musician or a comedian plays a huge stadium with 50,000 people watching, maybe they feel nervous. But the 50th time, maybe less nervous. They're a little bit more comfortable with that. It's just a matter of doing it and getting used to it. And you find, okay, this is not so bad. If I make a mistake, still not a big deal. 
I don't have to worry too much about what people think because I'm a human being. Nobody's perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. And that's something that you can realize intellectually, but to really get it so that your performance isn't negatively impacted so that you can still do well under pressure uh, or when you're when people are watching you or around you, you have to experience it. There's a difference between experiencing something, doing something, and knowing that it's true. Or you might realize now, oh, yeah, that's true. But it's not super easy to just know that that's true. You have to actually kind of get used to it. And you'll build confidence as you go. So what are you afraid of? Conversations? Have more of those. Uh, join a book club. Join a meetup. Communicate with people regularly. I always say, start a YouTube channel. Practice speaking on camera. Do all of that stuff. Do the things that you're afraid of, and the things that you're afraid of will become things that you're not afraid of anymore. And you might have new things that you're afraid of, but what you used to be afraid of will become second nature, easy, no problem. So I hope that helps. And uh, I hope that you face the things that are holding you back. It's important to do that to really make progress. Difficulty is not a bad thing. It's a good thing because it tells you what to work on next. If you haven't already done so, don't forget to hit the like button or the thumbs up. Don't forget to subscribe, of course, and follow if you haven't done so. And also check out my full courses in the links in the description. I would say, uh, Amar, overconfidence is better than... It's better to be overconfident and correct maybe bring it down a notch than to be have zero confidence and always be timid because it's hard to improve if you have no confidence. I per perform better under pressure. That's one thing I like about myself. I, you know what, Amar, I, I tend to agree with you. It's a weird thing. Um, it's really weird. So not that I feel necessarily under pressure, right now if this is i mean this is a live stream yeah I, I don't feel under pressure but um certainly more so than sitting here by myself recording to camera right but i find that i'm more i'm able to say what i want to say as i want to say it better when for example we're doing a live stream, then if I'm sitting here in front of the camera by myself recording a course, I might stop and have to correct myself. There's something about that slight pressure, which is a good thing, which uh, is, I think it's just a matter of, well, you don't really have the option to not know what you want to say. You have to. So it just comes out as you want to say it, right? And not necessarily perfectly, but I agree with you. I, I feel the same way. That's what I'm trying to say. I feel the same way as you. Yes, get out of your comfort zone, Rana. Raina, Rana. A job interview is the kind of situation that can cause a lot of anxiety. Yes, but after you have 50 interviews or 20 interviews, it you might not feel anxiety. Anxiety is something that you can overcome. You don't have to feel anxious. Don't assume that that's just the way you are. Oh, I'm an anxious person. Maybe. 
Maybe you are. Or maybe you're just not used to that enough. You're not comfortable enough with that. We often think when we reach adulthood that we're kind of finished. This is how I am now. Uh, but that's not the case. Actually, you're always changing over your entire life. We look back at childhood and say, that's when I was developing. When you were afraid to uh, go up to the teacher's desk and uh, hand in your assignment because you're worried that the teacher might not like what you did or something like that. And you look back at that as an adult and you say, ha, 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 what a, look at that. Look at that 12-year-old uh, who didn't know anything. If I were back back there now, whoa, that would be easy. No problem. I would feel nothing. No anxiety. Right? But there's nothing different about that compared to your the things that currently cause you anxiety. If you feel anxious because of something, then maybe you, you need to just continue progressing through that and take on that challenge like you did back then. And in 10 years, you'll look back at the current thing that makes you feel anxious and you'll say, ha ha ha, well, I can't believe I was anxious about that. But what sometimes happens is when people reach adulthood, they say, ah, I'm done. I've matured. I've reached my, my end state. This is how I am. And if there are problems, we say, oh, well, this is how I am. I'm an anxious person. This gives me anxiety. Welp. Oh, well, that's the way it is. No, that's not true. That's not true. You, you will change over your life, but especially if you realize that you're continually changing, you definitely will. I find it to be a really good measure of where to go next to identify the thing that is slightly terrifying, but not so terrifying that I can't handle it. So if, if there's something on my horizon that I can do, that I'm a little afraid of, that gives me a feeling of slight anxiety, but I know I can try it and do it, I will do that thing. In fact, in some way, the universe is telling me what to do next by showing me, hey, this thing causes this feeling in you. That feeling in me, I feel, is the thing that tells me what to do next. I That's just my own sort of thing that has helped me a lot to... Uh, I used to be very shy. I used to be... I used to be a very anxious person. I used to be uh, afraid to speak in front of others. I used to be afraid of um, a lot of things. And it's just a matter of habits. It's a matter of, you know, I don't believe there's any such thing as the way that you are. Uh, yeah, my opinion. You have nice hair. What's the interval between haircuts? Uh, um, that's a good question. It's time to get a haircut, I would say. So you see how here it's starting to starting to go out a little bit. It's getting a little it's a little rounded here. That's uh, for whatever reason, I have very thick hair. Right. And so it's when it starts growing, it starts to grow outward, but it's not like eventually it eventually goes down. It can, keeps going out. So I have to cut the I have to cut the sides of my hair more often than the top, weirdly. So I usually get a haircut once every three weeks. I try to keep the sides pretty short because just because it gets very 
poofy and fluffy. Um, yeah. But I've been thinking about... I really want to shave my head completely. Something I want to do. Oh, you have to perform your job interview in English. Well, um... I know I've talked about the courses, but I do have a full course on answering uh, interview questions. It's a three-hour course. It will teach you how to do your um, resume, teach you how to greet the interviewer, how to prepare for the interview, how to answer over 50 common interview questions. If you go to uh, my website, www dot lukepretty.com you can find that course you're welcome to check that out um, yeah it's three three hours we have an Arabic saying that roughly translates if you're not moving forward then you're moving backwards and if you're moving backwards you'd better die I like that. <laughs> it's kind of a brutal expression. <laughs> it's like a glass of cold water in the face. That's nice. <laughs> this is a good one. One word can encapsulate that. The first part, at least. Stagnation, if you're not moving forward. Interesting. Good translation. I like that. This is going to sound like a joke, but I've been getting these images in my head lately of what is this? Let me let me Google this. What is that? I don't know what that is. Huh? I don't know what this is. ERB? Who is that? I don't know, but I just Googled it. Maybe this is from a song or something? I Googled it, and I got a bunch of pictures of Fat Bugs Bunny. That's all I'm get, getting. Google images, Fat Bugs Bunny, Fat Bugs Bunny, Fat Bugs Bunny, Fat Bugs Bunny, Fat Bugs Bunny. Is that who that is? I have no idea. I've never heard of this before. What is this? Is it's a song? Top division. According to Urban Dictionary, one of the top definitions for chungus is an overweight, giant, earth-destroying, god-killing rabbit. In the memes, it's basically a picture of fat Bugs Bunny. This is according to Urban Dictionary. One of the top definitions is an overweight, giant, earth-killing, earth-destroying, god-killing rabbit. <laughs> rabbit. 
and there's a there's a song here let me see I'm just I'm just I'm just so curious but I'm hes I hesitate to just play it live because I've never seen it so I'm just reacting to it Um, okay. Okay. It's, it's <laughs> the top comment under this video is this. I, so the, I searched YouTube and there's a song called Big Chungus. And the, the, it's not even a video. It's just a picture of Fat Bugs Bunny. And the song plays. Not my favorite song, but whatever. And the top comment under the video says, If this doesn't play during my funeral, I don't want to die. <laughs> uh, very interesting. Very funny. I don't know why I've never seen that before. I'll have to do some more research afterward. Yeah, Amar, that's why I didn't Google it live. That's why I didn't Google it, like, go to my browser on on camera because I didn't know what's going to pop up when I search that. <laughs> you got to be you got to be careful. Um, but I I from what I can tell. It's not like being Rick rolled. It's just uh, it's just a fat bugs bunny. I don't know. I mean, I'm usually I'm usually pretty aware of memes and stuff. How do you guys feel about the idea of doing one thing I've been thinking about doing is doing just like a review of English memes and stuff. Um, TikToks and just stuff going on in the culture as a way to sort of explore English speaking culture together just to watch, you know, short videos and look at memes. Um, it could be interesting. I don't know what you guys think about that, but I've been thinking about doing a segment like that. Amar says, I'm still traumatized from the last time I was baited. What happened, Amar? Were you were you rickrolled? I'm amazed that people are still rickrolling. Uh, it's been like 15 years and people are still doing rickrolls. You guys know what a rickroll is? I'm sure you probably know. It still happens. It happened to me recently. I recently got rickrolled by someone I thought I trusted. Well, I think we can call it a day for today. Um, we should be back tomorrow. I'm planning to do another live stream tomorrow. Maybe we can take a look at some memes and or videos. Maybe. We'll see. Um, thanks for joining. I appreciate the questions. If you haven't already don't forget to hit the like button subscribe and today is the last day of that sale for the new course 
the new course, the pronunciation course, is on sale at the lowest price that it can be offered at. It cannot be offered at a lower price. So click on the link in the description if you're interested. It is a pronunciation course which covers all of pretty much all of American English pronunciation with exercises for practicing it. Uh, flow, tone, stress, difficult sounds, similar sounds, rules, and much, much more. So check out the course. You can preview the first few lessons for free. Um, that's in the link in the description, and that sale ends tomorrow evening. So make sure you do that soon. And thanks, everybody, for joining, and I hope to see you all here tomorrow. If you, um, uh, if you have questions additionally or you have suggestions on stuff you want to cover in the live streams, I'm happy to, happy to hear, uh, hear your ideas. Maybe just add me on WhatsApp. That would be a good place to do it. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. See you tomorrow. And, uh, yep, thanks, Liz, Luba, Amar. Great to have you here. See you all, hopefully, tomorrow. Bye-bye. See ya.